This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. We're really proud of Timeline. <laughs> We're going to reimagine Windows. Microsoft is announcing the breakthrough game console called Xbox. We've created a platform attuned to consumers' changing behaviors and an evolving sense of play. We set out to make the best watch in the world. And today, we're introducing Nexus 7. This is it, Xbox One. And we are calling it iPhone. The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report. Online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report. Yes, indeed. As she said, I am Marco Flalo, as always, joined by my co-host in Los Angeles, California, Mitchell Whitfield. Mitchell, how are you this week? Uh, good morning, Mark. I have, uh, you know, I have to share something really sad with our audience, just really pathetic more than sad. Do you know when the lovely voice that we have introducing us, Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo, every time that intro plays, when she says, Mitchell Whitfield, I smile and point at myself. She says, Marco Flalo, I smile at point on you, point at you through my computer camera. It's really pathetic. I'm realizing that right now. If anyone can see me, they'd laugh, but not like a supporting laugh, more like a judgy sort of laugh. If you have not already signed up for our exclusive Panasonic <laughs> camera giveaway, we invite you to do so. Click to your techreport.com. We'll tweet out that link one more time. We have one more week for you to sign up for that, Mitchell. Next week, we'll announce our grand prize winner right here on the show, which is lots of fun. A great show lined up this week, Mitchell. Lots of news, lots of stuff heating up before the summer really kind of kicks off. And a really, really cool interview with a gentleman who has credits like Pink Floyd, Ray Charles, and he has one of the coolest titles that we've ever come across, I think, oh, ever my. in an interview. And then that'll come up after we do the news segment this week. Wow, lots of fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, i got to tell you, I'm really surprised there were absolute crickets after I shared my little pointing of myself at you. You didn't even acknowledge you went on. Maybe feel even more embarrassed than I was before I started sharing. Go ahead, just go on to something else. There you go. So if you want to get in touch with us (laughs) on Twitter, it's at yourtechreport, (laughs) facebook.com slash yourtechreport. Of course, the page is at yourtechreport.com. And our email address, as always, is contact at yourtechreport.com. Mitchell, the first first Apple Watch OS update hit this week, uh, one point... 1.0.1. 1.0.1. What yes. did it bring? Do you notice any kind of increases or changes other than a faster moving animated icon? Well, you know, um, just to get, bring people up to speed, the main reason this was put out is because, you know, obviously they're constantly checking products, products, software consistently involves, uh, evolves. And, and Mark, we've said this on numerous occasions, no matter how many people, no matter how many Apple employees were walking around uh, wearing Apple Watch before it released, no matter how many brand ambassadors in the celebrity and sports world were wearing Apple Watch, you cannot really replicate or duplicate the sort of, you know, the user base you're going to have once a product releases. There's no way to test that. So, of course, they come up with finding a lot of security flaws. Once people, once it's out yeah. there, they find security flaws. This was a big issue. People being able to hack not only into the watch and its control, but because the watch is so tied to your iPhone, people were actually able to hack into your iPhone using Apple Watch. So, I think the main, the impetus for this <laughs> release immediately, first and foremost, was security flaws. But like you said, going to the speed of the watch, the thing that I noticed most was was that my third-party apps, which yes. honestly I had completely stopped using. I don't know about you, but I completely stopped using them. And I, one of the things I bought uh, that I wanted to watch for was to use Strava, to have my fantasy sports updates, to see StubHub, all these apps. 
they were almost unusable because of the slow speeds. But Mark, I've seen a marked increase, a marked increase, you know, there in speed on third party apps. Have you noticed a similar sort of speed increase? That's exactly where I noticed the increase. Things like Philips Hue light bulbs and, and things, automation tasks that I use are increased. There's, there's one thing, and you have to kind of understand this about the Apple Watch. There's something on the watch called glances. This right. is allows you to swipe up from the bottom of the screen, and then you can swipe left and right to see uh, information, whether it be weather, the charge capacity of the watch. Stocks. Really, stocks, exactly. And, and that's not really, that's not open to third party at this point, which is something that I think they need to do so that my watch becomes a bit more useful in those third party apps. Sure, I get the notifications for various things, and I'm still tweaking those, really, to this day. But I think glances and other things need to come into its own. And I think they will when the developers' conference hits in this June. I think we're going to find them opening up more and more elements of this operating system, like they have in the past with the phone and the iPad. You know, I think it's funny that you mentioned glances because that was one of my sort of, not not gripes with the watch, but another feature I don't use. And I think you nailed it, Mark, in that they touted this feature as being, you know, a way to sort of customize the watch to revolve around all the things that you do or want to look at on a daily basis. When in fact, it's really only all of the Apple pieces of software that you can look at on a daily basis. And until they integrate third-party apps, glances is not going to be exactly what it was designed to be, which is sort of an extension of how you use the watch. Now it's limited, but yeah, I think they're going to open that up too. But yeah, my, my, my watch is much faster now. I'm very happy and I'm, I'm happy with the stuff that it does as opposed to focusing on what it doesn't do. That's kind of the way I've been looking at it. One of our gripes on the Apple Watch kind of came out was a lack of in-store access, obviously, to the watch itself and accessories. That seems to be slowly but surely changing. We're hearing um, some things that Tim Cook is talking about, such as the watch will be available in stores in June. We're also hearing that Apple Watch bands should arrive in stores later this week. So if you did get the watch and you want to check out the new bands and maybe buy one of those and not wait the two to three weeks or however the delay is right now to shipping, you can head into stores. No, not confirmed. It's still, at this point, just kind of hearsay, but uh, we will update you on that. Yeah, and the other thing that isn't confirmed exactly, Mark, is exactly how many stores will be getting these bands uh, stocked on a consistent basis. Because so far, I think there's one store in Miami that we've heard about that actually has it, and that's all that we know about. So we know they that they are doing it. We just don't know how widespread it's going to be. And don't forget, folks, when you look at those watch bands, don't die of sticker shock because they are not cheap. No. Uh, the leather strap that I wanted, which was the lower end leather strap, I believe is $150. Uh, you know, the polymer bands, I think, are the best deal, like 50 or 60 cents. 70, something like that. But when you start getting to leather, metal buckle, oh, I'm getting emotional. I'm getting a little verklempt. Yeah, they're expensive. They, they are expensive. And speaking of pricing on Apple products, Apple raised their pricing in Europe and Canada. So across the board, whether it be with apps or their products, you'll notice that uh, that price uh, did increase, which is, which is kind of strange. The other bit of Apple news, Mitchell, this week, they released the new MacBook Pro with Retina display. Really, the only changes other than processor speed is the integration of that force touch trackpad, which I wish I could just buy on its own and shove into my MacBook. See, but that, but see, you're, you're, the fact that you are wanting this as a feature on your Mac, but let's, lets me know that this is something that Apple is obviously going to have to do on their entire product line. And Mark, we still haven't seen exactly how their product line is going to evolve. Now that they have the new MacBook out, somewhere it's sort of sandwiched in between, although actually below the MacBook Air, not even in between, below the MacBook Air, then you have their, their Retina MacBook Pro. I, 
we still haven't seen how this product line is going to evolve. One last thing I wanted to touch on. You talked about the raising of the prices uh, in different places, in different markets. You and I were talking about this off the air the other day about how silly this is. Well, it's a company that has so much money. It isn't about making more money. It's actually more in relation to the strength of the U.S. dollar. So they're trying to keep it in line with the U.S. dollar all over the world. That was the reason for the increase. But still, they're not going to get a lot of people going, yay, it's Apple making more money. I think they kind of have enough. Mitchell, the power of social media, we just talked about the Apple Watch bands being available in stores later this right. week. Got a couple tweets with pictures of some stores in Miami where the watch band is actually on sale already. So the sport band seems to be on sale and the classic buckle. So as you said, some stores here and there will actually see where these things appear and how much they appear for. Yeah, that's why I said earlier that uh, there's a, there a store in Miami that actually released it. But yes, and, and but I don't know. I mean, don't you hope? You would think that flagship stores would have it. But again, we've seen less communication with Apple and their consumer base as, as the years have gone on. And now things just sort of appear and happen. And we go, oh, I guess they're doing that now. I wish there was more communication to the consumer base so we would feel like we knew it was going to happen and we can make our purchasing decisions accordingly. I'm really annoyed. I'm, I'm over it. I'm good. Does five hours seem like a short period of time or a long period? of time to hit a million followers on Twitter. Uh, really fast? Really fast. Well, it's a, it's a world record-breaking uh, speed, and it was done by uh, President Barack Obama, who is, uh, you know, officially, officially, with the checkmark and everything, uh, came onto Twitter earlier this week, and uh, it says it's him himself tweeting and hit a million followers in five hours. You know why I think he's doing this? Because he got such a great response when he was on, I believe, The Tonight Show, reading mean tweets that people put out there about him. <laughs> yeah, I, first of all, that's one of the Jimmy Fallon things that, uh, you know, the I mean love. tweet thing yeah. is very funny. Uh, I've seen actually other people do it as well, but it's, it's very funny. And um, is it Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel? Who does that? Uh, was on the, the mean tweet is Jimmy Kimmel. Is it Jimmy Kimmel? Yeah, I'll get is. my Jimmy's mixed up. Um, but yeah, it's really kind of, I, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm on social media, obviously, and I do it for work, but it's kind of putting, your out, putting yourself out there in a way that, I don't know if you want to read what other people have to say all the time, because especially with the president, people are going to make their voices heard. It's not oh, going to yeah. be pretty, but it'll make for good television. When Jimmy Kimmel does have this next segment, you know they're going to have some great, you know, Obak Barama stuff. Uh, oh, Obak Barama, Barack oh Obama. One, one of the first tweets was actually kind of funny, um, was a response to his first tweet. It was Bill Clinton, and he was asking because the actual Twitter handle is POTUS, P-O-T-U-S. So it asked, does that follow with the office because he's asking for a friend? Oh, gosh. <laughs> And, uh, Android Wear got an update uh, this week. Uh, Wi-Fi support comes to most of the Android Wear watches. The uh, Samsung Gear Live is one of those watches, which means independent Wi-Fi support. It doesn't necessarily have to have an Android phone connected at that point in time as long as you're on a Wi-Fi network, which is interesting because it's getting a bit more independence on its own and setting itself further apart from its counterparts and other you know watches available today like the Pebble and, of course, the Apple Watch. Well, it does make you wonder what is coming down the line with V2, V3, V4, and all these different versions to follow of Apple Watch. We do. We I think both of us agree we don't think we're going to see a yearly refresh because it. it's it's a watch and people will feel silly buying a new watch every year. We might see every two years. That's probably more likely. Uh, but I think what, what Samsung has done in terms of separating, letting the watch be a standalone device, that's something Apple is going to have to do down the line. I think if they want this to be successful as not just a smartwatch, but as they're calling it, just a fashion accessory. If they want that, it has to have some degree of autonomy and independence from the iPhone. And let me tell you something, Mark. The biggest dependence that the Apple Watch has 
on the phone is for the GPS signal. It's not just the apps themselves, but even for exercise, you need the GPS from your phone. I can't tell you how many, like, for example, Fitbit, Garmin, they all have GPS chips built in. We know it's possible to do. So it sort of makes you think what lies ahead. Will Apple Watch try and make it a standalone product? And I kind of hope they do. Uh, the Globe and Mail launched some revamped versions of their iOS apps, which are kind of cool. Globe and Mail is one of the national uh, newspapers here in Canada, Mitchell, in case you weren't aware of that. No, I know. Um, I know what it I is. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> the app provides a couple cool things and new ways for readers to consume what they call curated news. You can now sign up for three updates each weekday, a morning, a midday, and an evening edition. So if you want to get a snapshot of your day, if you don't want to necessarily go to the app itself, you can get those things pushed to you. Um, and, and the coolest thing about the curated content is is that they, they segment it into news, uh, report on business, and then sports and culture categories, which means that you get only what you want from those categories when you want it. And those apps are available now on the iOS platform. I love that. And I like being able to customize what you, you know, be, being able to customize the experience. It goes along with, with what smart devices have been doing and trying to do for years. And I like that they're following suit. I don't know what Globe and Mail is. Don't you judge me. Uh, LG... <laughs> is teasing some super thin OLED screens that are so thin, Mitchell, that they actually stick to your wall with magnets. Okay, now wait, but before we go, I have to stop you here. Now, did you see the picture? Now, the picture was actually, they, they demoed this with a moving picture on there because I saw how thin the screen was, but I saw a static shot of it. I did not actually see the moving picture of it. And I was blown, people talk about like flexible displays. We're talking something that it's like a piece of project board for, you know, like, you know, a piece of oak tag or paper. It's ridiculous. Does it really work? It, it, not only does it really work, it's 55 inches large, <laughs> oh and it's it's .04 inches thick, and it weighs 4.2 pounds. I think about the 65-inch Panasonic that weighed 100 pounds in my office compared to a 4.2. This is this is like three iPhones in your hand. I, I yeah, I don't even know what to make of this. Are we going to see a point? We we know, we know flexible screen display is out there, uh, although we've seen it, you know, more in a more in a a curved display that doesn't move. But we know flexible screens are out there. Is, are we going to hit a point, Mark, where people say, hey, I don't have a big screen. I'll come over to your house. You No, no, don't worry. I'll, I'll bring it with me. Big, <laughs> I'll roll up my big screen, put it in a tube, and bring it over to your place. I mean, are we eventually going to see something like that? I, it seems like we are. I think we are. And not only that, I think that we're going to see a big market for 3M command strips to hold your televisions up on your walls. <laughs> there you go. Forget about the old school way of mounting with the metal and the screws into your studs. You don't need that. You know, oh, you just need some, some good adhesive. That's all you need. I want to throw a shout out to uh, Chris Beck at RDO. We were supposed to talk to him this week. I had a power failure uh, when we were going to record the interview earlier in the week, and then we couldn't really follow that up. But I wanted to mention the news that RDO did release. They launched a very cool new line of their service called Select. It's uh, $3.99 subscription for their mobile users that features a combination of ad-free streaming radio and the ability to actually download 25 new songs a day on demand. So you have a maximum cap of 25 songs you can keep that are downloaded, and you can rotate those out anytime you want. Now, Mark, this is, I almost felt like, and, and, I, and I said this when we were going to do the interview, of course, with Chris, but I almost felt like this was a, a service designed for our conversation because I told you a little while back, it's like, well, first of all, the regular $9.99 a month, the RDO subscription fee is very reasonable. Considering all that you get for that $9.99, it's a very, very good price. But for me, for someone like me, yes, I, I like to have the, the ability to stream. I also want the ability to download individual songs, but I don't download enough songs to make an unlimited payment worth it. 
it. So here you get the best of both worlds. And those 25 songs, like you said, you can rotate them in and out as much as you want. And you still get the the streaming, the endless streaming. So it's really a good deal, especially if you're on the fence about how much individual song downloads you do. For $3.99, it's kind of a no-brainer. Another interview that I almost had, Mitchell, but unfortunately because (laughs) of the time difference, um, I wasn't able to pull it off. It was going to be a surprise for you because you're a big drone fan. You're into, obviously, Uh, the quadricopters. Of course. One of the limits is that you don't get more more of a runtime than more than, what, 25 minutes, 30 minutes? 25 is a long one. Yeah, 25 is a a long one. Well, there is a company in Singapore, okay? And what they have done is they basically said, look at these drones, look at these quadricopters, and inside these quads are all this hollow space. So they have created the world's longest endurance multi-rotor that runs on hydrogen fuel cell propulsion, which means it could run for hours at a time. I believe, yeah, you sent me this link, and of course, my thing, my jaw was hanging open very unattractively. I believe they said it was a four-hour flight time, and the way they were doing this is... With no it's payload. It's not like they had... Huh, what? No payload. That's yeah. right. For now, for now, it's not... What? Some, even if it ruins okay. it to okay. with two one, hours with a payload. Yeah, you with know, the one kilogram amazing. payload, you get, you get over two hours. But still, that's amazing. And when you think about it, the thing that blew me away, there are a couple of things that blew me away. Number one, they didn't even have to change the structure of the drones, and they're saying they wouldn't have to because on the interior of the shell of most drones, there's a lot of empty space, and that space could be used to just house the hydrogen right there without adding additional tubes. Here's my one concern, though. Did you ever hear of a little dirigible called the Hindenburg? Never. That was that was running on <laughs> hydrogen too, and uh, yeah. So I mean, I, I I worry a little bit. We heard about hydrogen fuel cell vehicles, and one of the things about making hydrogen fuel cell vehicles is the safety. Making sure that tanks are incredibly safe. The latching mechanism for refueling very safe. So when you have a drone, some sort of like a I don't know. I don't want it to be a, become a flying bomb at a kid's party. That would be kind of a bummer, you know. So I hope the safety is in line with the advancement in technology because it is uh, it is really cool. I will make sure that we do follow up and reach out to them and talk to them specifically about that uh, hopefully on next week's show. It is your Tech Report. He is Mitchell Whitfield. I am Mark Aflalo. Again, don't forget to go to your techreport.com. Sign up to win that incredibly cool Panasonic DMC GX7 Micro Four Thirds camera. We'll tell you more about that later, but if you check uh, yourtechreport.com and of course follow us on Twitter at yourtechreport and facebook.com slash yourtechreport, you can find all the details, lots of ways you can can enter more and more daily to increase your odds of winning that really, really cool camera. Mitchell, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, as I said, a very cool guy from a very cool company whose title, I'm not, you know what, I'm not going to ruin it right now. We'll talk to him when we get back. Your Tech Report will be right back. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Yes, indeed. Marco Flalo, Mitchell Whitfield with you. Your Tech Report on Twitter, Facebook.com, slash Your Tech Report, and the pages of YourTechReport.com. Uh, Mark, we, we have a, a guest coming on the show right now, and one of the reasons I get excited, uh, one of the reasons I am excited about this interview is because, obviously, we've talked about in other shows, we always have a soft spot, a spot in our hearts for anything revolving around audio, products revolving around audio. Both of us sort of grew up in studios. Um, uh, me doing a lot of voice work, you as, of course, as a producer, engineer. So whenever we're talking audio, I get excited. But now I'm excited in particular, not just because of the subject matter, but because of the company and the guy that we got. Mitchell, you know, coming from a broadcasting background, yourself and I have, obviously, you are very successful in, in te- television and voiceover. I've been in the right. broadcasting world for quite some time. So the name Apogee is not new to us, but... 
that same company has been making waves for itself, not only in the pro audio market, but some incredible entry-level stuff and everything in between. Mitchell, I'm looking at their catalog, and, and for example, you can get their Jam 96K guitar interface for $129, okay? That's less than $200 to get Apogee brand digital audio on your iPad, your iPhone, your iPod Touch. No, you just touched on something that's amazing to me because once again, we're not, there. There are plenty of devices that come in at lower prices. We've talked about this before, but when you talk about Apogee and the quality that you're getting, that's where the real that's where the real win on the consumer end comes in. And I'm going to let you do the full Roger introduction here, okay? But I, I want to talk about Roger's title first because it's maybe one of the <laughs> coolest titles in any industry, bar none. Director of Project Evangelism, and why I think this is so cool is because when we talked. Sometimes we talk to CEOs or lead designers, lead engineers. Sometimes the people that maybe create these products, first person, they don't always have the ability to talk about them and get excited and generate excitement about them with others. So when I hear about a product evangelist, I know it's someone that knows their stuff, has used this stuff, and has a genuine love when talking about it and sharing it with our audience. So I, I will I will let you take over from here, but best title ever, Roger. Go ahead, Mark. Thanks so, Roger, Roger Robin <laughs> Dore is a director of product evangelism for Apogee, Apogee Electronics. Robin, you have so many credits to your name. You've been at Apogee for over 15 years. You have credits with Pink Floyd, Ray Charles. You know what you are talking about. And you seem to be probably the most passionate person we could probably get on the line to talk about Apogee's products. And I'm glad that you're here. Well, thanks very much. Uh, I, I really believe that product title really reflects my uh, trajectory here at Apogee. I really started off as an engineer, um, and even before that was working with uh, Apogee products as a tech. So indeed, I really know the nitty gritty. Also have, uh, as you mentioned, uh, a pretty long background in audio engineering. And I came to Apogee completely as a fan. Um, and as people understood that I had a sense of what customers would like, I worked on the one hand, with the engineering department in QA, but also uh, started to do more and more public presentations because I really had a sense of, from a circuit level, why this stuff was so great. And I wanted to communicate that. Look at Apogee 15 years ago when you first started. Could you have right. ever imagined a product portfolio that, on the cost side, starts with a touchscreen device? Well, you know, that <laughs> really uh, speaks to one of the most exciting aspects of what I do. Um, I, when I was a teenager and in my early 20s, I discovered recording and just how satisfying it is to me to be able to record music, um, overdub. Uh, but back in the 80s, early 90s, that was really unattainable to everyone. You had to get a record deal um, and convince someone to pay you to go into a recording studio and do your thing. And then you got in the recording studio and usually didn't have enough time. Maybe you had an engineer who just wasn't into it. Um, and so you took this fabulous, creative, lot, great experience. And so many times it wasn't a, ultimately wasn't a great experience once you got in that studio. So just this ability to provide technology at a much lower cost and in many ways uh, a much greater functionality, to me, it's, it's a miracle. No, that's, that's, you know, before you go on, I, I apologize for interrupting, Roger, but you no, just touched ahead. on something that's really important. Um, and it's important to me on a personal level. As an actor, there have been plenty of times where I was on location doing a film or doing a TV thing, and, uh, and a voice job would come along. A voiceover gig would come along. And, you know, it's an industry, same with the music industry, where opportunities come up and they're not plentiful. And if you can't catch that opportunity right then, the opportunity disappears. So when I look at what you guys are doing now on the mobile side, 
And sorry about that. We'll, we'll go back right. to other stuff too. But when I look at specifically what you're doing on the mobile side, you're empowering a whole, first of all, a whole new generation to be able to record high quality on the go, but also professionals like myself that have been looking for these solutions for years now have the ability to work our craft from wherever we are. And not just with any sort of products, but with your products, with digital interfaces, with great microphones that really make us sound good and allow us to keep working. And that's a huge deal. It, it absolutely is. Now, you may be aware that uh, Joe Cipriano uh, is an Apogee uh, endorsee. And in fact, he uses the mic that I'm using right now. Uh, uh, for listeners who don't know Joe Cipriano's name, if you heard his voice, he's the voice of Fox, you would recognize the voice right away. And he tells the same story. He's on the road. He literally has been able to do things from his car. Because of course, he's got this really cool portable device that he can record on, and it can also uh, send sound, you know, into the cloud. And of course, that device is his iPhone. Yeah. Uh, and so that is exactly the story. Indeed, our customers are these young kids who are discovering recording and audio, but also the pros who are using it in hotel rooms um, and creating their own ad hoc studios. Really? Well, well it's, it's amazing because you know, as, as you said earlier on. Um, especially nowadays, anybody can record from anywhere, and it's thanks to companies like Apogee who are developing products for those people and that mindset. On the pro side, you're still pumping out incredible, incredible products that are shrinking in this form factor and, and are becoming portable, but also still getting into studios. If you were to look at your, your, your product lineup today, uh, did you ever think, uh, actually, I'm more curious about this, is what portion of your product lineup um, is revenue really generated from these days? Is it more on the mobile side? Is it still on the pro audio side? Is there a healthy balance between the two? No, I would say definitely there's a balance. Obviously, if we look at Symphony I.O., that's our state-of-the-art system. It recently, I guess about a year ago, actually, I did a recording, a live recording for a PBS program called uh, Live from the Artist Den. And it was a recording of the artist Sarah Bareilles here in Los Angeles. Um, and we had a 64-channel recording rig. Actually, it was a dual 64-channel recording <laughs> rig because we had a backup. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and it was in this uh, kind of funky but cool theater in L.A., and we had a small desk for this dual 64-channel uh, recording rig. Had no problem fitting uh, both systems in this tiny little corner backstage. Um, you know, I when I was doing that Pink Floyd thing live, we were driving around Europe in a semi, in an expandable <laughs> semi, to get 48 channels of recording. So again, that sort of goes back to that miracle idea. That's a little bit about our flagship product. But most definitely, I think um, it, it is rather distributed because certainly we're going to sell far fewer of our flagship product, uh, but it's a, you know, a significantly higher cost item. But uh, certainly... Having these uh, portable products in, frankly, the Apple Store has helped us enormously. Brings our name and our products to an entirely new set of customers that never would have, uh, you know, seen our product at a guitar center, for example. So that's exactly what I was going to ask. One of the questions I was going to ask you was, you know, obviously Apogee's been around making great studio quality products for a long time. What percentage, now that we see the explosion of the mobile industry, whether it's people using their iPads as basically their own virtual studios, or like you said, me or other voice pros being in their car recording something on the go, what percentage, or not necessarily percentage number, but how much have you seen the business sort of transition to your mobile products as opposed to your studio products? Well, I think that there are still a lot of our customers are still working on laptops. So um, it hasn't transitioned you know, as much as 
reflected by Apple sales. In other words, uh, I think Apple sales, obviously, it's all about iPhones and iPads. But still, our customer, I think they found that the laptop is sort of the most comfortable interface for what they want to do, probably because they're doing kind of very sophisticated things. Now, uh, a lot of those products, or actually virtually all of our products, work on both platforms. So I think there are a lot of people who are switching, you know, going back and forth between their their iPad and their uh, laptop. So, uh, you know, on a percentage basis, gosh, I, I wouldn't say that it is skewed heavily in one direction or the other. Okay. Maybe that'd be the best characterization. Talk to me about the software side for a second, because there's also software innovation going on at Apogee as well to obviously take advantage of the hardware to a different end. What, um, you know, when you focus on software, what are you focusing on to delivering to the consumer? Well, I, I think that speaks to, uh, we have what we call, or what I call the creative user interface. And the concept there is that our hardware interfaces actually are a hybrid for control. They have a few of the most essential controls in hardware, so you can reach out and grab it. Yep. Um, whereas most of the controls that you might set up once or set up in the beginning of the day, those are all in a software control panel. Um, and if you think about the way audio interfaces were designed before this, uh, you had a front panel that was just tons of buttons. And I think when you're in that creative state of mind, you want this beautifully elegant interface. You don't want to have to kind of deal with the technicalities of an incredibly complicated front panel. And so when it gets to software, uh, really, frankly, we're making software that stays out of the way. <laughs> um, and even hardware that stays out of the way of the creative process. Now, I will say that uh, this is something we did with Ensemble in 2006. And if you look at the evolution of audio interfaces, there are a lot of people who've thought we had a good idea. I'll put it that way. Uh, so you know, on, on the one hand, that's what we're doing in software. You know, we do not have uh, a recording software ourselves. Really, our goal is to be as perfectly compatible with everything out there. Yeah. You know, we do have uh, a, a special relationship, I would say, on the one hand with Logic, with Apple Logic, mm -hmm. Uh, the latest Rev, or actually Revs of Logic throughout their history for the last several years have had specific Apogee control panels in them. So it makes it uh, easier to kind of, you can, you can control your mic pre-level from the front panel, from our software, or from Logic. Um, and so that has continued uh, most recently with Ensemble, where actually now it's like a standard mixing console, where in the Logic control or in the logic mixer you have ensemble mic pre and phantom power controls right there right there in their me. mixer so i would say we're our innovation our, our software approach is to stay out of the way i could probably keep you on for the next hour but i'm sure we both don't have that amount of time but we'd love to <laughs> um I, I guess i encourage people to check out the apogee website which is apogeediddle.com because there are solutions from people who are just starting out to the pro enthusiasts to people who are setting up studios in in all kind of environments whether it be recording i mean i use apogee stuff for for live for live aspects as well and i encourage people to check that out because there's definitely something that fits every particular need that Apogee is pumping out. And I'm excited that you were able to come on the show with us today. I really want to thank you for taking the time. 
Well, thanks so much. It's uh, always a pleasure to talk about my passion. Now, now, just uh, you know, for me and Mitchell's benefit, what do you have yeah. coming out that we can't talk about? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. Well, now we do have uh, the the product called Groove. Yep. And you know, we have been creating products for creators for 30 years. Uh, this is probably our first product for listeners, of course, which is a much greater uh, user base. Um, and it is, it's kind of a finger-sized, you know, if I'd known I'd been on video, I would have brought one and shown you. <laughs> it is a finger-sized USB DAC headphone amplifier. Um, wow. But it is packed with uh, Apogee quality. Now, this particular product is actually for Mac and PC only. Okay. Uh, we made the decision that uh, an iPhone and iPad really can't provide the kind of current that we need for to kind of reach our audio goals. Gotcha. Now, perhaps there might be a, a revision with battery power or some sort of supplemental power. We wanted to make something that was super compatible or super portable, but still kind of maintained our absolute highest quality audio. And so that's Groove. And for, for those who don't you know, basically understand what the, what the headphone amplifier does, it basically gives you access to recording studio quality audio on your laptop or on your PC or your, uh, your Mac computer. Um, is there a release time frame for, the, for Groove? Um, the, it was announced back in NAMM, but it is going to be released this week. Oh, awesome. Oh, so, wow. Uh, so shipping this week. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so I, I'm guessing you can tell us about pricing? Um, it is priced at uh, $299. Excellent. And we're actually having, uh, this is our 30th anniversary uh, this year. Oh, and we're going to have a 30th anniversary version with special finishes. And cool. there's going to be a few interesting versions. And we'll do it in small con- quantities so we can kind of custom make them. It's a little bit like the kind of the guitar custom shop. But we're going to apply it to our groove product. Very cool. So check out Groove and check out AppyDigital.com. And, and are all your products made in the USA? Because I know Groove is. Yes, indeed. All of our products are made in the USA, obviously designed here uh, in Santa Monica, California, um, but they are all manufactured in the U.S. Very cool. That's a good point. Thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. We hope to have you on again in the near future, and we're definitely going to be talking more about your products down the line. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Check out ApogeeDigital.com, and you can check out Groove and get your hands on Groove right now as it is available in stores. It is Mark Aflalo and Mitchell Whitfield with you. When we come back, more of Your Tech Report is on the way. I promise. Your Tech Report will be right back. This is Your Tech Report. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com. Mitchell, I've been playing with the music. This one sounds a bit too much like I uh, should be announcing an NFL game. And the starting <laughs> lineups are... Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Mark Aflalo, Mitchell Whitfield with you. Of course, on Twitter, it is at Your Tech Report. Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. The pages of yourtechreport.com will remind you again about that camera giveaway. After we talk about some really cool products... This one I'm really excited for, Mitchell, because we spoke to the wonderful guys at Unique several weeks back, and you had some time to go hands-on with this really, really cool drone, didn't you? I did, and the drone, of course, is the Unique Q500+. Plus. Uh, and yes, we did We did have our, uh, our interview with Sean, and we did talk about the product a little bit, but I didn't really go too in-depth about what makes this such a special drone. So just remind me for a second, this is the drone that has the 5.5-inch screen embedded into the actual radio control. You see, I got it right this time. Um, (laughs) And really was the best bang for your buck because it comes with a case and absolutely everything you can need to fly right out of the box. 
Oh, this is, uh, to me, it's, and I, I love it, it's the most complete drone on the market. It really, to me, in terms of value, it is the best value currently in existence in the drone world. Um, so just review a little bit. There was the Q500 Typhoon, and just like a month or two later, they came out with the Plus. And the Plus version added some really cool features. It made the screen a little larger, like you said. It brought the screen, which is embedded into the S. T10 radio. The beautiful 5.5-inch Android screen is built right into your radio, so there's no more having to, you know, strap or in most cases, you know, screw on uh, your tablet or, you know, smartphone device. Um, <clears throat> they also added, what do they see? They, let's say they put in a second battery, which can be anywhere to up to $150. They included an aluminum case, <laughs> an aluminum travel case, which can add another two to $300. Uh, let's see, they included a neck strap for the transmitter, which of course prevents it from dropping onto the ground. And last thing you want to do when you're flying a very powerful machine is have your radio device drop to the ground and have it go out of control. Um, they also included with this the update to the Seago 2 camera, which now, instead of having a fisheye lens, has a more traditional lens mark. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me, it ups it to 16 megapixel, I believe, 1080p, 60 frames per second. And not having the fisheye lens is really important because, you know, sometimes you'll see people that have these beautiful aerial shots, but because of the fisheye wide-angle lens, everything looks slightly distorted. Yeah, it's Everything's sort of bowed out. <clears throat> exactly right. Well, now you get no more distortion. The, the video that I've taken is absolutely beautiful. Uh, the 3D gimbal, um, the three-axis gimbal, I mean, it works beautifully. There's no shake. I must have been flying this in 25-mile-an-hour winds, and you could not see any camera shake whatsoever. Wow. Which, which, Yeah, which is pretty huge. The other thing that I like, of course, about the radio itself, Mark, is and having that screen built in there, not just to see from a first-person perspective exactly what the quad is seeing when you're shooting, but it also has the built-in telemetry. So I can see airspeed, I can see air angles. I can see how much battery life I have left in both the drone and the radio. Oh, yeah, did I mention the radio has a lithium-ion rechargeable battery, too? All these extra things, and you talk about a $1249 price point to have all of this stuff in there. My flight times were anywhere from 20 to 25 minutes on average. Really? Um, so, I could, yeah, I could keep it in the air a long time. And because this is a slightly bigger bird than some other drones, if you put it up next to a... Uh, let's say a DJI Phantom or maybe the 350Q, 350QX from uh, Blade. This is a slightly larger drone than that, than those two are. The nice thing about that is with the large props and a larger size drone, it's actually a lot more quiet when flying. Oh, really? So this thing, yeah. So it's a, And don't, don't get any ideas, folks. You still shouldn't be spying on your neighbors no matter what, no matter how quiet your drone is. Do not spy on your neighbors. It's bad form. Mark is making a really sad face like, oh, there goes half my reason for wanting one. <laughs> but um, yeah, all around, I was really happy with the way it controlled both in smart flight and in free flight because this is fully programmable to market. It creates a smart fence around you so the, the quad cannot enter your personal space and cannot crash into you. It's also capped up at the legal, capped off at the legal limit of four, you know, the 400 foot ceiling. It's automatically programmed in. All this stuff can be tweaked in settings, attaching it to your computer and changing your settings. And of course, if you're a commercial user, number one, you have to have a license for it. But if there are different needs that you have for it, you can tweak the settings. And uh, all the telemetry settings can be tweaked as well inside or using your computer and the included USB cable. I really don't have a bad thing to say about this quad, Mark. It flew beautifully. It took great video. It was quiet. Having long air times was a plus, but having two batteries charged at any given time ready to go and have it be included with the package for $1249, that's why I say to me, the Q500 Plus Typhoon 
from Unique is the best value right now in the drone world. Okay, Mitchell. I want to talk about a device that I was raving about um, quite right. some time ago. We are iPhone users. We tend to be drawn to this touchscreen, but there is a major, major segment of the world that still spends their time with a QWERTY keyboard, and there are devices out there that sport the QWERTY keyboard, but none more famous than BlackBerry. I think we can agree. I think yeah, I think we can more than agree. I think that's the standard, yeah. One of the things that uh, the CEO, John Chen, introduced when they came back to the company was the BlackBerry Classic. The BlackBerry Classic has been around for quite some time now, a couple months easily. It's 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 getting its adoption onto different carriers depending where you live. Uh, the one I'm playing with was an AT&T model that I've been using here in Canada on Rogers, which is uh, a, a very, very, very cool BlackBerry because it really does bring you back to that original BlackBerry Bold feeling in terms of a nice, comfortable, sleek, expensively built, rugged phone in your hand. So what does this have that is familiar to BlackBerry users? Obviously, That's you have, what I was just going to ask you, yeah. You have yeah, the, go ahead. <laughs> the, the, the chiclet type keyboard that is full QWERTY, that is why Ryan Seacrest got sued for his typo keyboard. <laughs> it is there front and center, and Mitchell, regardless of your thumb size and the things that people say, it is very easy to get back to used to using a QWERTY keyboard. And... It's a very different world getting back to that world because you're so used to a keyboard popping up when you need it. So having that keyboard available to you when you want it, not only for functions like typing, but things like ending and starting a phone call. Or remember that BlackBerry button that brought up the menu or the back button? These are all things that are back on the BlackBerry Classic. The package is obviously a bit bigger than the original Bold. You get a 3.5-inch touchscreen. So they do have a touchscreen on there, so you do have the option to touch the screen as well. So so it's the best of both worlds. Not only do you have that touchscreen, but you also have that scroll wheel in the middle. It's not a wheel anymore. It's a touch-sensitive wheel that allows you to scroll up and down. you got 22 hours of battery life. What? 22 hours of battery life. Obviously, depending on your usage, it's going to vary. You've got an 8-megapixel camera on the back, which is okay. You know, I found that taking pictures on this device is not uh, what we call quick. But again, you have to—you really have to taper uh, what your expectations are based on the device. 16 gigs of storage on board, so you can have all your music and all that data you want there. Um, you've got the familiar send call button, that familiar menu key, the optical trackpad, the back key, the end call button. I know you have a question. You're, 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 you're making that face. No, no, here's the question. And the thing is, I think what people forget about, you know, yes, it's nice to have the feel of an embedded keyboard, and there's no replacing that, let's face it. But, Mark, did you find yourself, I forgot that when I really was going, uh, and and this happened with my sidekick as well after my BlackBerry, when I was really into it, when I was on a roll, I didn't have to look at my keyboard anymore. And that's what people really forget. You no longer have to look down at your fingers. Your fingers know exactly where they should be. It's like being with an old friend. Everything just snaps right back into place. Am I right? It was. It wasn't as hard as going from a BlackBerry keyboard to going to a touchscreen, coming back right. to a physical keyboard, especially on the Classic. And, and the reason is because it's exactly the same layout as you were accustomed to on the Bold. It's not like they're, they're square ones or they're all different versions of the BlackBerry. It is the familiar keyboard. It has the beautiful soft touch. It comes with BlackBerry 10 OS or OS 10, depending what you want to call it, um, which really is a great operating system for what BlackBerry is meant for. And that is the enterprise user in terms of messaging in terms of browsing um again you know i I don't want to talk too much about the camera because it's not that impressive the speed at which you're actually hitting that shutter is not that impressive but you know again you have to you know 
vary your expectations based on what you're using uh, on the device. Um, web browsing was extremely quick. Um, all your messages are in one place thanks to their BlackBerry Hub, which brings in things like LinkedIn and Twitter, plus your contacts and your BlackBerry Messenger. And people forget that the BlackBerry Messenger is now cross-platform, so you can be using it to message people who are on other devices, let alone the fact that you can use third-party apps on your BlackBerry. Again, something that isn't that impressive as well on the BlackBerry Classic because they're using other engines. They're using Android apps on a BlackBerry smartphone, which really kind of takes it out of its out of its comfort zone, I would say, in terms of the experience. Um, previews of incoming messages, um, BlackBerry Blend, which is their software application that lets you use and experience things like um, their hub on different devices, all available on this device, and a beautiful design. I mean, the design on this this BlackBerry is so familiar, so comfortable. It's on the heavier side in your hand, which is something you loved about the BlackBerry. You know, you feel it in your pocket. You know if you're going to drop it, you're not going to break it. Um, it features things that modern smartphones have today, like the Corning Gorilla Glass. So you get the best of both worlds with the BlackBerry Classic, and you can get it now basically on almost every carrier. Uh, Mark, I want to touch on something that you said a couple of times that I think is very important. I, I don't think it can, it can be emphasized enough, and that is managing or tempering your expectations. And the reason I'm saying this is, you know, you'll read articles. We, we both, you know, read a lot of publications, both, you know, physical and digital uh, in the tech world. Um, and it drives me a little bit crazy when people will take a BlackBerry and say, oh, but it doesn't have the great camera app that I need or, oh, you know, it doesn't have the storage that I need. Let's let's be clear about something. If you're going to a BlackBerry, don't sit here and complain that you don't have the best imaging system, that you don't have the best experience with your music. Although you can, yes, you do. You are able to do those things on the new BlackBerry. This is not who this phone is designed for. If you're a hardcore photographer, yeah. get an iPhone or a Galaxy S6. You know, if you're a hardcore music lover, that's probably more of an, again, any Android phone or iPhone or any iDevice. This is for people that want that old school experience, that tactile keyboard, the great BlackBerry I am. All the things that made BlackBerry popular don't, it drives me nuts. It's a personal pet peeve, Mark, when people review a product for what it isn't as opposed to what it is designed yeah. for. This is not designed to be your new camera or your great music player. It's designed to be a modern BlackBerry, and that on its own is a win, right? Listen, that on its own is a victory. Absolutely. And listen, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the BlackBerry operating system as well. I think it's really, really cool. It's come leaps and bounds. It's just, you know, like, like any other device that is not your standard Android or your iOS. It's like you're dealing with third-party apps that may or may not work and, and be suited for that device. Obviously, there's a BlackBerry world which allows you to download BlackBerry-specific apps, and right. there are, there's plenty on there, too. So, I mean, great enterprise experience, great messaging experience on a, on a really cool device that's available on pretty much every carrier. And once again, we have to thank the folks over at AT&T for getting this in hand. And Mark, this is the great thing about having that sort of, that symbiotic relationship between Rogers and AT&T, because it worked just fine. You were able to test it on the Rogers network, no issues. And again, thank you. And, you know, we get a lot of cool devices from AT&T, and we will continue to bring these devices that they always seem to send us. So thank you again. So Mitchell, tell me, there's a game that you wanted to talk about that I've never even heard of before in my life. Oh, shame on you. You've never heard of the Witcher series? I have not. Okay, there's a a development uh, development house, gaming development house in Poland called CD Project Red. Okay, they've been making some really cool games, most notably the Witcher series. And when the Witcher series first came out, I think it took people by surprise. First of all, it was a more 
I don't want to say adult-themed uh, RPG role-playing game because that makes you think of like it's a constant thing of sexual innuendo and nudity. It's not like that. Uh, but there there are more adult-style themes in the Witcher series, and people have been waiting for the next-gen experience. Uh, Witcher 2 had a lot of success on the previous generation of platform, you know, pre previous generation of consoles now with the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One here. Witcher 3. Uh, Wild Hunt, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt has been released. Mark, I just, I've, I really started scratching the surface, okay, of this game. And I've got to tell you, first of all, you know when they tell you, they say, oh, you can expect like 50 hours of gameplay, 60 hours or 70 hours if you're really lucky, right? Uh, yeah, they're saying 200 hours of gameplay. Uh, How much? 200 hours of gameplay, Okay. Uh, this, I've never seen a world this expansive, and I'm thinking, and it says the same protagonist, Geralt of Rivia, is the main character of The Witcher, and if you don't know what a Witcher is, you really, I'm not going to spoil it for you, a special kind of human being with enhanced powers and senses. It's a really cool, really cool series of games. Witcher 3 takes it to the next level graphically, but also in terms of immersion, Mark, uh, the characters, the storytelling in these games probably among the best storytelling that you'll see in any game series you will see in The Witcher, in The Witcher series in general, not just Witcher 3, but all of them. They really put a lot of effort into the way the game not just looks and plays, but the way the story is told. The, the, the effects that you have, the decisions that you make, you'll come back hours and hours later and find a town has been changed or a person's life has been changed because That's of cool. one little prompt that you were given. You can either do A or B, what do you want to say wow. or do, and how the game changes around that. I mean, the guys at CD Projekt Red even included a thank you note inside the game, a physical thank you note for buying the game and how much love and, and effort they put into this game. And it shows in every frame of the game, in every character. I found myself sitting there getting really invested in these characters as I'm wow. playing the game and wanting to be a better person in the game for but these people. is crazy. It's so funny how important you say storytelling is because it really it immerses you into it. But the graphics on this game are phenomenal as well. It almost It really makes you feel like you're actually immersed in the game itself. Absolutely. And I think those two, I think those two go hand in hand, Mark. I yeah. think we've seen games that look beautiful, uh, but they don't play or have the depth of story uh, quite as, so it really is, it's a combination. And even people like for myself doing, doing voice work in games as well, people think, oh, you know, and I think having good voice acting and this game does have great voice acting as well. It does make a difference. Again, it's a level of immersion that you don't feel like you're playing a game. You feel like you're experiencing a game. And that's why in, in the best case, video games have rivaled or even surpassed cinema because you're not just seeing a great story unfold, you're involved in it. And games like The Witcher 3, um, I, I just got to tell you, it's a must play if you're an RPG fan. Even if you're any kind of gamer, it's worth looking into. It's available now. Again, Xbox One, PS4, and PC. Allegedly, the, P the PC version has ridiculous, even better graphics, and I thought it looked beautiful on Xbox One. So go check it out. Go get it now. Do not wait. It is your tech report, Mark Aflalo, Mitchell Whitfield with you. We are back in just a moment. Your tech report will be right back. Welcome back to your tech report. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com. Mark Aflalo, Mitchell Whitfield with you. Mitchell, I wanted to thank a couple of people, obviously, uh, who helped uh, put this show together. Our friend Let's Chris, Chris Becker at RDO, who did not join us this week. We will get hold of him. I promise we will. And, of course, Roger Robindore at Apogee. What an awesome title. 
Best title and a cool guy. And we're looking forward to getting some review units of Apogee products in hand. Really excited to show this company love because they're fantastic. And don't forget, if you want to get in on the giveaway, you have one more week till Friday to get in on the Panasonic Micro Four Thirds DMC GX7. Very cool camera. $1,200 value thanks to our friends at Panasonic.com. You got to be a Canadian subscriber, but uh, take a listen to, to take a look at that one on the website. Mitchell, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Mark. We will uh, speak to everybody next week right here on your tech report. You've been tuned in to your tech report. Join us again next week for another edition, and be sure to follow your tech report online. Email us contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at your tech report. Like us on facebook.com slash your tech report for the latest in breaking tech news and reviews. Yourtechreport.com.